I don't think I've ever been to Marshall's in my lifetime. I would rather battle gout in my eyes than shop. There's three ways I'll never die. I will not die on a Cessna. I will never get eaten by a shark and die. And I will not die shopping. Whoever invented Amazon probably has some special room in heaven waiting on him or her. Also, Wendy said there's no important games on September 22nd. That's a subjective statement on there. Uh, and I, I just felt like my spirit man was like, oh, I was backing off of that a little bit. You know you have a problem with football when you watch on your phone New Mexico play Incarnate Word. You guys know there's a football team with the name Incarnate Word. You imagine the playbook. Let's run a little Ezekiel 4.12 to the right. Blue, blue, Ezekiel, Ezekiel. I knew I have a problem when I'm checking on a score of a team called Incarnate Word. There's so many universities now. There's a university named Lamar. I saw a Lamar score. I'm like, who is that guy? Who is Lamar? But we're back. The fall is back. And I'm excited today because we get to continue a series called God Wants to Smush You. And... Uh, <laughs> It's called the Ascend the Mountain, but really what it's called is uh, God wants to teach you how to die well, deny yourself. And if you'll just die well and hush, he'll exalt you. And if you keep talking, he'll squish you. You know, Philippians 2 is amazing. Jesus took on the form and nature of his father, got really low. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place. So if what you're seeing in your life is not being exalted, it may not be a competency issue. It may be an issue with us not understanding how to humble ourselves. Humility is amazing in, in, the, in the word itself. You, there's two ways humility comes. God will humble you or you can go ahead and humble yourself. I love it when God says in the Old Testament, I, I, I want you to choose blessing, not curses. I'm going to give you a choice to make and then I'm going to give you the answer to that choice. Choose blessing. It, the Israelites might be the most obstinate, stubborn people group in the history of the world. When Jehovah says, Listen, I got blessings before you. I want you to choose me and I'll take you to that. Don't use curses. And they're like, what did he say? I can't remember. I, I can't remember. <laughs> we haven't changed too much since then. You guys ever heard of the story of old black Bart in the Old West? True story. He used to get on stagecoaches, scare people half to death. For over four years, a man by the name of Black Bart terrorized the old Wild West. I love those Western movies. Love them. I kind of, I told Wendy one time, I wish I could like get on a horse and go to work, just carry the gun, have a shootout. You get in an argument with someone, you just go out in the street and it's like, I love those movies. And they're real slow. There's none of the science fiction matrix stuff where you're hopping around and it's, it's just like, it's like, this is the movie right here. Well, Black Bart, he would get on stagecoaches, scare him to death. You guys can Google this later. This goes on for four years. Most wanted man in the West. One day, the authorities catch a man stealing something out of a trash can behind a convenience store. And they said, what's your story? He said, my name is Black Bart and has a squeaky voice. And they said, sure, sounds good. Come to find out it was Black Bart. He had a squeaky voice. They came to find out about him that he never even owned a gun, never shot one for four years. The most wanted man in the Wild West didn't even have a gun, never hurt anybody, and all he did was yap and yap 
And yeah, and people believed it. And the fear became legendary in what would now be Arizona, Southern California, people hundreds of miles away from the notorious death killer Black Bart would stay in their homes and not go outside for almost a half a decade from a man who never owned a gun. The enemy roars around like a lion. There are so many people in this room, I'm one of them, that at times we allow Black Bart to really wreak havoc on us. Because in the kingdom, whatever I really believe or lean in towards manifests as my own reality. Nobody in here understands depression and panic attacks more than me. I promise you. If you do, we need to go to lunch. Most of anxiety and panic and depression is believing something in the opposite direction of how the Father is seeing your situation. I don't talk about the enemy much. I probably talk about the enemy less than any pastor I know. I don't listen to a whole lot of sermons, but I don't talk about him much. I'm not up here binding and loosening. And I, talk, I spend most of my time talking about the Father, intimacy with the Father. Today I'm going to talk about the enemy and his strategies. I'm going to talk about his tactic on how he has been successful for thousands of years. And he's not really that brilliant because his strategies haven't changed. We're just sheep that have a hard time really listening to truth. Truth is not hard to hear. It's hard to walk out. Because God can so clearly tell us something about our current situation that does not take a PhD to understand. It just takes a Joshua level of courage to walk out. Jesus told two men the same story. Listen, a storm's coming and you need to build your house on the rock. Only one did what the Lord said. Both heard. Have you ever asked yourself, why is Jesus saying, him who has ears, let him hear? You ever wonder how Jesus talks? Why is he always British in the movies? And every time he plays a character, his voice is like way better than any of ours. Wouldn't you love to get to heaven one day and you'd be like, are you kidding me? That's how you talk? Let him who has is. If you, if you listen to the Bible on DVD, how many of you have listened to the Bible DVD and you're like, are you kidding me? Or not DVD, on CD or whatever it's called. What is it? Tape, cassette, whatever. Listen to the Bible. Sometimes I'm reading the scriptures and I'll be with the Lord and I'm like, what do you sound like? Have you ever heard the Lord laugh at you, questions you ask him, by the way? You can get to such a place of intimacy with Jesus. So, some of you guys, if you hung around me, you, I'm not as serious as a lot of people think. Seriousness is not a fruit of the Spirit. Some, some of y'all are too serious. You make the Lord uncomfortable how serious you are. You come into his courts rigid and angry and serious. You know, a lot of college students gravitate towards theologies that are so serious. Because you, you think that if it's the more serious it is, it has to be true. The Lord's first miracle, he's making wine at a wedding. It's a party. <laughs> Hello, Father. Please don't kill me today as I enter your courts. When's the last time you had a casual conversation with God? This makes the religious spirit, if you're getting uncomfortable right now, it might be because you're abiding in a religious spirit more than the Holy Spirit. Because it makes the religious spirit so uncomfortable when you start talking about the casual side of the coin with God. Let him who has ears, let him hear. It's, he's not talking about like, it, it, they had ears. He's talking about ears beyond your, these ears. Let him who has eyes, let him see. And so what the enemy does is he specializes, 
in a lie that's not too far from the truth. And if you're going to ascend the mountain, you've got to understand what you're hearing and what you're speaking is the gateway to get to the highest place of the mountain, Psalm 24. Let's put the Greek word for, for devil up here, Gary. This is interesting. All right. The Greek word for devil is diabolus. And it means slanderer and traducer. I'm getting a doctor right now, and I had to literally look up the word traduce or traducer. Now, be honest. Don't lie to me. How many of you have gone a decade without using the word traduce? Thank you. Thank you. I mean, I, I kind of figured out. Of like, it's not good. But I was like, what does traduce mean? So I look it up. By the way, there's someone in here right now. You probably used it this morning. I applaud you. To expose... Well, God likes to expose. God loves to expose. He loves to shine his light on things. So does the enemy. But here's where the traduce comes in. Traduce. Kind of sounds like the sound you make when you hit a swimming pool off a high dive. Traduce. Traduce. To expose shame, blame by means of falsehood, misrepresentation. Go to um, the next slide. Satan always represents the narrative different from what it really is true, what really is true. Here's what Satan will do. And there's a lot of people even in your lives that you might do life with that when they say things, it's kind of sort of kind of how the narrative is. But if you'll pay attention, it's real slippery of like, that's not what I said. That, no, whoa, 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 whoa. No, that's not what happened. See, the enemy will get so close to the truth, we're going to look at this through the lens of David and Goliath, that it seems kind of like God. He's a mimicker. Is there one more slide? Do I have another one? Yeah, accuser. So Satan in Hebrew, he's the accuser of the brethren. And in the Greek, it's diabolus, and he's a traducer. He will enter your narrative... And start dropping things two ways to you. He will start dropping things into your own mind or to people close to you that can get to you. And the ability of, one of the metrics of you know that you're really good friends with God on a high level is you can detect quickly a thought that's not from God and something that someone says that you're like, whoa, 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 whoa. Um, I tell you this, I hate to be the bearer of bad news. The gospel means good news, Evangelion. And Chad on Gileon today means I got some bad news for you. The bad news is you can think you're walking in intimacy with the Father, but leaning more into the lies of the enemy and even capture them as your own thoughts. And they can scientifically prove that in your brain, you can have brain pathways that are recorded, pathways in your literal brain. And in these pathways you can get into what's called a rut. And if you get into a rut, this is why you would even need the idea of Romans 12, 1 and 2 on renewing the mind. Let me start over. Let me say this. Let me say this. What you think and what you say are really important. And if you're thinking incorrectly and speaking opposing what God says is truth, you cannot ascend his mountain. Let me say it again. So it's like, well, send the mountain. Well, how do I send the mountain? Like, what, what, what are we talking about here? What are we talking about ascending the mountain? You cannot ascend the mountain of God to build and walk in deep friendship with him if you think opposite of him and you speak opposite of him. So here is one of the metrics to know where you are on the friendship with God meter. 
What was the funny actor? Do you understand the words coming out of my mouth? <laughs> when you open your mouth, what are you saying? Because thinking can be overrated because if you are speaking opposite of what you're thinking, it's an indicator in the natural that your community can come in and say, hey, I need to help you out here. You're talking differently than the father. If you don't have constant conflict in your community, it's not a community. Typically, it's a small group of people that's called an enablement community. And, and you need, you need to, you, people need to be calling time out on you often. Often. Whoa, 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 hang on. You just said something that seems a lot like it's Abba. Do you understand what just came out of your mouth? Uh, one, of the, one of the ways to know that you're not really, really close friends with God, do you spend more time complaining and worrying and spinning it as wisdom and stewardship, or do you enter his courts with thanksgiving and praise? Even Jesus Christ had to have John the Baptist prophesy and declare the coming of the Lord before he came onto the scene. The galaxies were created from the mouth, heart, and mind of our Father. God didn't think it. He spoke it. What's coming out of your mouth? What's coming out of your mouth? Before you beat yourself up too much, you guys ever feel like you're in dysfunction? You, you know the only thing normal in life is that little button on your washing machine. If you feel like your marriage is dysfunctional, or your family is dysfunctional, or your past is dysfunctional, you probably shouldn't beat yourself up too much because my heroes that I've learned from, like Noah and Simon Peter and Abraham and Paul and Elijah and the 11 disciples, um, they had great moments, and, and King David had some great ones, but they also had some really bad ones. Like when you were growing up at, at your, wherever you grew up in church, remember the feltboard days? How come they never put the feltboard episode of when Noah got drunk when it got off the boat? You never put that on the feltboard. That'd be an amazing. <laughs> like why is it that we only celebrate the great moments of our heroes? Be a David and kill Goliath. You never see a Bathsheba episode on a felt board. And it's like, Noah, have faith in God because there can be no dysfunction with your faith. Noah got off the boat and snapped. Simon denied Jesus. Abraham cheated on Sarah and lied a bunch of times. The one that wrote most of the New Testament murdered. <laughs> Elijah ran from Jezebel right after being so excited about the fire coming down. He ran from Jezebel. And then the 11 disciples were not at the cross. So before I give some hard challenge over the next 20 minutes and one second, cut yourself some slack. If you feel dysfunctional from time to time, welcome to life and the kingdom. Sometimes y'all come in here and it's like, oh, I'm not good enough to ascend the mountain. Listen, spiritual formation typically looks like this and you move upwards. It doesn't look just so clean and tidy and I never make mistakes. Cut yourself some slack because next week I'm going to share a story with David where he's totally opposite of what I'm about to say. Today is a good day for David on this stage. Next week's embarrassing. Next week's one of the most embarrassing episodes of his life. You ever feel that way? You ever read your own journals one day? It's like you are Corey Ten Boom. And the next day you're like, I'm not even in Christ. <laughs> Jesus, I love you. I love you. I love you. Next day, wake up quiet time. I don't even know if you're real. I don't know what's going on. If God can use those rascals, he can use you. 
And, and there's a lot of stingers in this series. I'm going to give you some stingers here, and here it is. You ready? If you're not speaking into your future what you know truth to be, your future may never manifest based upon the word that you got about your future. I, I didn't say think it. I didn't say, by the way, by the way, this is too much. Y'all need to get out of here on this. When God says, Joshua, you only got two things to be successful. Listen, just meditate on my word, and you only have to do it twice, when the sun is up and when the sun is down. The word meditates to chew the cud. And God tells Joshua, never let the book of the law depart from your what? Most people don't believe that. They say that you think here. What you think, typically the enemy laughs at. What you think and then speak out, he runs from. If you're not speaking towards that whatever's coming against you, you maybe think you're doing warfare and all you're being is passive. Do you know that in the spirit, God showed me this, this very second. I've never seen this till right now. In the spirit, when we open our mouth and speak truth towards the enemy, it is like lightning bolts coming out of my mouth. I, I'm seeing it. I, I can literally see it right now. I got the... Oh, God, I just... I don't, why, why would you sovereignly allow Goliath to be in my life? I just don't understand. This is not fair. It's not fair what I'm going through. That's how most of his kids act. This is too hard. Or, Father, I thank you that this opportunity with Goliath, I get a couple things to learn. How great you are and how far I've come. And Goliath, I need you to listen for a second because I'm about to give it to you. I'm about to hand it to you. Many in this room have become way too nice and you spin it as Christian. It's nothing but religion. If you never bump into the enemy from time to time, you need to get born again. If you're on assignment going after what the Father's called you to do, do you not think there's not going to be Goliaths in your life? Sometimes when you and I do marriage counseling, and when the couples leave, we kind of laugh and snicker. Some, some of y'all think that the other person's marriage, they, they're just, everybody's marriage needs Jesus. Everybody's business needs Jesus. Every, everybody needs Jesus. And we act as though we're shot when we come into warfare. We're no different from the Israelites. It's like a literal spirit of not smart. I want to say the other word, but that word... That word's becoming like worse than the other words. You say that. Uh, huh. Wendy said it from stage one time, and Nora, Nora Vartani was sitting on the second row. You can't say that word. <laughs> so here we go. Here's a good moment. This is an epic moment of victory. Here we go. All right. So the black Bart's on the scene. His name is Goliath. You know the story. If you don't know Dave and Goliath, great story. Big old giant coming against God's people. You ever realize in the, in the Old Testament, somebody's always trying to take God's people out. You realize once you get grafted into covenant with God, the enemy hates you as much as he hated the Israelites. He just can't stand that. But I'm going to talk about the strategy of the enemy to get you to descend off the mountain. The enemy is a black bar. I can prove this. And his um, tactic is he's got a real big mouth, huge mouth. Have you ever thought this before? that not every thought that you have comes from you. Back when I used to have panic attacks real bad, I'd be driving over a bridge, and I would think, what if I just pull the car off the bridge right now? After a period of time, I thought that that thought was from me. And then it's like well, the Lord of my eyes one day, of Chad, the enemy's been coming after you since you were five years old. When I was five years old in the natural, I was choked in my bed. I woke up being choked. My parents took me to a psychiatrist in Spartanburg, because I told my mom and dad, the devil's trying to choke me at night. 
be careful before you dismiss what your kids are talking about. Be, to be very slow to dismiss it. Well, I didn't know that there's like warfare. I didn't know there's an enemy trying to seek to kill, steal, and destroy me. The biggest mistake the enemy ever made with me is Sam was a year old, and uh, I'm married to a tough woman. She's tough. And I've never seen her act this way, and it's probably the most scared I've ever been in my life, but the enemy stood in my hall one night, and the sense of dread and fear 14 years ago that came into the room was otherworldly. It was, uh, you always want to be sober-minded, but he's, he's not anything to play with. And in a moment, I said, Jay, I got Jay out of my mouth from Jesus. We heard in the natural fluttering, there's angelic activity above, right above our ceiling fan, and the room went from really, really beyond evil to, I, you could feel it like reigning in the spirit of peace. Sam was a year old. He was screaming in his crib. Wendy woke up going, Chad, Chad, Chad. I opened my eyes. Um, I was laying on my left side audibly. I heard an angel speak to me. He said, the enemy's uh, standing in your hall. And then the father showed me uh, the form of the enemy. And it was terrifying be, beyond, you don't play with it. Um, I'm going to Haiti with Darren Wilson next year to film for one of his next movies. And we're, we're going to do some stuff in Haiti and film some stuff. But I tell you what, I'll only go where the Holy Spirit leads me to go. You don't go stick your head in a wasp's nest and acting like you're all that. He, he, you better, like Jude says, you better respect him. But the whole point is this. It's actually, the, he overplayed his hand so much in my life that even this church now is a reflection of what I have learned. He should have never done that. Because God gave me strategies to how the enemy is. And after that night, when I realized how much authority that I carry, you got to understand, coming from me, I was a depressed kid who thought God hated me. And now I'm seeing blind eyes open. I'm commanding a dead plant to come back to life. And it does. I'm speaking to torn ACLs, MCL, ACLs. And I'm watching them be regenerated. But it's not, it wasn't just, oh God, you're awesome. God was showing me, Chad, I put power in you. And if you don't start opening your mouth and speaking, speaking into situations, you go a lifetime and not see me move. And it's not because I didn't want to. It's because you didn't know how to speak to Goliath. And so I'm about to share a scene. This is Goliath and this is David. Because some of you are getting annihilated right now because you're too quiet and, and you're too contemplative. And you need to throw away your journals and start speaking more than you're writing. See, we, we, think, we think Christianity, spiritual formation is, is just going to be quiet. We, we confuse humility. You know what humility is? It's bragging on God and then slicing the head off Goliath. Humility is not going to Starbucks one more time for one more journal entry. And I'm just going to be quiet, and I'm going to be quiet, God, and I'll continue to be quiet. Some of y'all need to quit being quiet. Some of y'all need to start talking, talking to whatever's coming against you. Literally now, we do too much thinking and, and, and not enough talking. Picture your mouth as a gun, and there are love bullets, bullets of destruction that come against the enemy. When you open your mouth, your mouth is a target against the enemy. I'm going to show it to you right here. Okay, so um, Goliath says, he says this, he says... Um, I defy the armies of the living God. And he, so he uses his mouth, Black Bart. Well, you talk about millions of people are believing him, and they are petrified. This one little shepherd boy comes onto the field. Then the devil doesn't just speak through Goliath because he's in a lot of places at once. He speaks through Eliab, and now Satan is speaking to David. And Eliab says to David, well, aren't you supposed to be with the sheep? What are you doing here? If you're going to get close to God and go after Goliath in your life, you're going to have to learn that you will constantly uh, become against from the enemy himself and the enemy through people. And you've got to learn how to navigate, how to discern what God is saying, and then how to speak opposite of what Eliab is speaking and to speak opposite of what Goliath is speaking. 
I'm preaching. I'm, this, I'm telling you, you better listen to me on this. I'm serious on this. Because some of you get annihilated financially, and it's because you think prayer is just being contemplative before God and trusting Him. Speak to your financial situation the exact opposite of what you're experiencing. Speak the opposite. I just read a book that Joseph and Susan Vollmer gave me of a woman who was healed from an incurable disease over a period of a couple of years, and she spoke the exact opposite of what the disease symptoms were saying. It wasn't a small disease. You have, we are in a war. Wake up. Wake up. We actually give the enemy a, a lot of room in our lives because we think we're being spiritual. We're actually being religious. One of my favorite stories with this, I've told this story before, it's hysterical. I can't remember his name right now. I was at a conference I wasn't even speaking at. This guy walks up to me, God told me to go sit down. There's 10,000 people there. I go sit down in the middle of this room. This room is huge. I can't even remember who was with me. This guy walks up. I said, you look like you're about to die. And he looked at me and he was. He had Lyme's disease. It was eating him up. My session with him lasted 10 seconds. I said, you came to this conference to get healed. You don't know me. You're about to get healed right now. He said, he, he said, are you ministering in the conference? I didn't even answer him. I said, stand up. There's two chairs out in the middle of the room. He put this all on Facebook. and um, I didn't talk to the father. I commanded the Lyme's disease to die. I didn't know he had Lyme's disease. And then I said, you're supposed to be on the mission field in Africa and you can't get your visa because you're sick. It'll be to you between three and six months. Him and his wife are now over in Africa. The whole point is not the great man of God. It's not the great. It's, if y'all think I'm great, y'all need to raise your standards way high. What I'm telling you is the same power that raised a king from a grave is in you. It's in you. But when you shut your mouth and you act all religious, like you got to go journal again, the enemy laughs at your stupid journals. He laughs at your journals. You know what he doesn't laugh at? He does not laugh at this. Speaking and directing your words of power towards him because that's when you resist the devil and he flees from you. I had vertigo one night in my house before Sam was born. I said, God, what is this? He said, you have vertigo. I don't know why I did it. It changed my life. I spoke to the vertigo. It left instantly. And I said, what else do I not know? What else do I not know? But if you come in here like an orphan and God doesn't love you and you don't have any power, then why are you going to open your mouth? You're going to run from the enemy. The enemy's favorite prayer is when we ask the Father to get the enemy off our backs. That's not what James 4, 7 says. Can we put James 4, 7 up here? You resist the devil, and he will flee from you. You know the word resist? I love this. The word flee in that passage in the Greek, this is incredible. It means run and start terror. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will run and start terror from you. I got so mad about four years ago, I could not figure out why my daughter was having nightmares at night because I don't tolerate that. I don't tolerate it. What you tolerate will multiply on you. I don't tolerate it. And that took me two weeks. I wasn't mad at the father. And I finally said, what is this? He said, you brought a trinket back from Haiti that I told you not to get. I said, where is it? I couldn't hear him. I tore that room up. I found it. It was in a drawer. I got the trinket out, cleansed her room. She didn't have any more nightmares. You got two options there. God sovereignly decided to move in your life, Chad. And he just decided to bring her nightmares. That's most theology in the West. God gave her the nightmares to teach her a lesson. Stupid. Give her nightmares to teach her a lesson. Or I resist the devil and he fleed from my daughter. Uh, one of my best buddies told me a story not too long ago. 
Something was going on with his daughter. Asked, God showed him, went up there in the bedroom, found something, got rid of it, and the thing left. Here's what I'm saying. Goliath will chop your head off if you don't abide by the principles of what God deems normal. And here's what God deems normal. Open your mouth and speak truth to the enemy when he speaks to you. By the way, you know what I've learned about this? Oh, man, I used to have so many nightmares. When you do this a couple of times, the enemy's camp will actually run from you. They'll stop doing it. In Haiti, one of my favorite stories, we cannot get this woman healed. And I finally spoke to the spirit that was all over this woman. She was, it wasn't demonized. She was demon-possessed. And I, and I said it. This is going to make some of you uncomfortable in here. And I said it. I said, if you don't come off of her, I will command you to go in the abyss and you will never be allowed to return from it. Now, I've never preached that before. You should have seen how fast she got healed. See, the enemy will hang in there and battle with you for a while to see if you really know what you're talking about. You can get to a place on the mountain where the enemy is absolutely 100% terrified of you. Not your Aunt Jane who prayed for you. Not Wigglesworth, biological son, name, whatever. You. He said, well, you don't understand. I'm naturally wired to be skittish. Stop being skittish. Read Paul. Here's what Paul says. Hey, stop doing that. Do this. Can we go to Psalm 17.3? David knew that his mouth was a weapon. My mouth is a weapon. I can sing that. My mouth is a weapon. You better believe it's a weapon. It's a weapon of destruction or a weapon of blessing. It just depends on how I use it. And this thing controls what's coming out of my mouth. Do you understand the words coming out of your mouth? Though you probe my heart, though you examine me at night and test me, you will find that I have planned no evil. My mouth has not transgressed. What an interesting statement. My mouth? My mouth. There is a miracle in your literal mouth. There's power in your mouth. You know what I love to do on airplanes? I love, I love this. I, my wife knows I love awkward moments. I live for them. They don't bother me. You know what I love to do on an airplane? And it makes everyone nervous. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. There is something about that name. You just say that word, atmosphere will shift. If you play on an athletic team, you're at a school, and you hear this dropped and that dropped and this dropped and that dropped, just say out loud, I love what the Lord's doing in my mouth. Watch what happens. If you could see in the spirit what your mouth does, you'd get happy because your words have power. Imagine going to like a jungle to, to save someone you love very much, and, and, and you have these weapons that no one else has, and you're just getting through the jungle, and you, and you say, like a movie scene, you save the one you love. Your mouth is a weapon that can get through the jungle in people's lives. And I'm telling you, I don't mean metaphorically. Literally, it does things in the spirit. Literally. I can't, I, I can't tell you how many times I've seen this. I, my mother-in-law in the early days, she was trying to figure out if I was crazy or not, and I wrote the book, Signs, Wonders, and a Baptist Preacher. She would say, why is your grass so green? I said, because I talk to it once a week. She said, what do you mean you talk to it? I said, I talk to it. And I said, listen, uh, to, to the grass, God, my father made you, and um, here's how it goes. I am a kingdom ambassador, and ambassadors don't have grass that look like red clay. We're not doing that here. I bless this grass in the name of Jesus. I had a neighbor that lived up the street. I can't remember his name, and he said, who does your fertilizing? I said, the Holy Spirit. <laughs> True story. At, at, at that house, it's these, you know, these, the builders put these pear trees in your yard which are strong enough for like a couple of ants to build a house on. That's about it. If the wind blows, they fall over. My pear tree got confused and thought it was an oak tree. The two neighbors beside me, their trees were small. You can go look to this day. That pear tree is like steroid Jesus, a tree. 
You want to know why? I'd speak to it, command it. My next door neighbor saw me commanding my tree one day, and that was awkward. I will give you that. <laughs> Psalm 19.4. Look at this one. Maybe David figured it out. Yet their voice goes out into all the earth, their words to the ends of the world. In the heavens, God has pitched a tent for the sun. Let's go to Psalm 39.1. I said, I will watch my ways and keep my tongue from sin. I will put a muzzle on my mouth while in the presence of the wicked. I can't wait for February. We're going to do a series on gossip and slander, how it's the culture of hell. And a lot of God's kids cooperate with hell more than they do heaven. The enemy loves slimy little stuff that just seems like processing, but all it is is slimy slander. I can't tell you how many times God will show me people in this very church that he's about to remove. I'll pray, I'll prophesy, I'll write it down here, remove them, because they walk in slander and gossip. I'd rather pastor a church that never grows beyond this and we impact the globe with unity and no slander and gossip. I want to say out loud, I hate gossip and slander. I hate it as much as anyone you could ever follow as a leader because it's demonic and it's filthy. Um, let's go to 1 Samuel seventeen thirty-five. I love this one. I love this one because the enemy's still doing this. I went after it and struck it and rescued the sheep from its mouth. And when it turned on me, I seized it by its hair, struck it and killed it from its mouth, from its mouth. The enemy is still using his mouth today to get to us. The enemy uses his mouth. He goes after the lambs with his mouth. But here's what old Black Bart doesn't know. I've seen and God has shown me that that mouth has no teeth. That mouth's got a big bark. The book of Colossians is a picture of what happens, the entire book, of when he has already been dethroned. Not going to be. He already has been. In, in the old days, you would cut off the, the thumbs and the toes of your captured king and parade him around the city. That's what the whole book of Colossians is about. He already has been defeated. He's been yapping, but he's got no teeth. And this is how I'll end here. It plays out this way. I want to read what Goliath says and then read what David says. In 1 Samuel 17, 44, here's a perfect illustration. Here is the picture. 1 Samuel 17, 44. Come here, he said, and I'll give your flesh to the birds and to the wild animals. That's a big mouth. So what is David's response? Here is David's response. In 1 Samuel 17, 46 through 48, he builds the clock and uses more words. You're welcome, Wendy. Here we go. This day the Lord will deliver you into my hands. By the way, it hadn't happened yet. Why is he speaking it? Because David knew what was about to happen. You know, if you're hoping your words are going to come to pass, that's no faith. I love getting to the place where I, I say it and I know it to be so. This day the Lord will deliver you into my hands and I will strike you down and cut off your head. This very day I will give you the carcasses of the Philistine army to the birds and the wild animals and the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. He did, not, he did not promote himself. It wasn't about the great man of God. And he used more words than the enemy did. And he spoke to the enemy. Whatever you're going through, quit thinking about it. Quit, quit journaling it and speak the opposite loud. Stand tall, stand high. And you speak right at Goliath. And after he falls, cut his heads off for your own trophy. Let's stand up right now. Everybody stand up. I don't want to do, I don't want to do, we're not, not going to do an altar call. We're not going to do an altar call. I'm going to do a, a blessing. Think of this as a military compound in the spirit. I'm going to do a blessing that you quit being so quiet. In the name of Jesus Christ, speak into your Goliath and then cut his neck off and give all glory to God. Go in peace. God bless.